second Lincoln Business Beat, our deep dive, a little personal reflection on something that a lot of people have uh, will never have the opportunity to do, but you were able to do a ride-along with LFR. Yeah, um, and I'll tell you what, it's it's a great opportunity. Um, former Fire Chief to Spain had invited me to do it when I first started, and um, Chief Angler has you know kind of left an open invitation and. Uh, one of his staff members came by. They they give us a nice contribution for the Leba auction. In fact, you can buy a Lincoln Fire and Rescue ride along at our auction. Little tip Which there. is in April. April 13th at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Um, and we will have it online, so you can bid online even if you can't attend. But um, it, it's it's a great opportunity to get out there and see what happens or just what, what a day in the life kind of thing. And so... Um, I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate and appreciative of the opportunity. Um, so I've done a couple in the past, which were pre-COVID, and I haven't done anything since COVID. And so Nancy stops in to drop off the auction item, and she's like, we got to get you on a, on a ride-along again. And I said, all right. So I was like, I better text her that night. And I pulled some days. I didn't have meetings on my calendar um, to spend a day. And um, what I like to do when I go is I like to invest about 12 hours. Because I think it gives you a good cross section to see what's happening, um, and uh, several of the firefighters would probably say that uh, I'm a blessing and a curse when I do a ride along, <laughs> because it seems like whenever I do a ride along, they're not very busy, which is a blessing and a curse, right? Yes. <laughs> they call it the curse of the ride along, and I said, but is it really a curse? Um, so it was really it's it's a neat opportunity and um you know Nancy Christ their public information officer and chief angler are very kind um to allow me to do this and in the past what I've done is um I've ridden along with one of the battalion chiefs and we would just kind of like okay this is going on over here let's jump and go or let's go here all over the city um whereas this time it was a little different so Right now, Station 8 is uh, tied in with Station 1 because they're reconstructing Station 8 at 17 to Van Dorn. Yeah, the old so, station there doesn't yeah. exist anymore. <laughs> There's a big dirt pile there yeah. now, so to speak. Um, and so they have they have a, a fire truck, a fire engine, and a medical unit, all, one from each Station 1 and Station 8. Um and I've even, over the course of this time, learned the difference between a fire truck and a fire engine. So we can talk about that, too. But what I was doing was I was hopping between Station 1 and Station 8. And it was kind of fun because I was sitting kind of down where all the apparatus are parked and things like that. And um, I had my coat sitting on a chair. And, you know, you hear the, the call come in and you look up at the board and be like, okay, Engine 8. I'd grab my coat, put it on, zip it up, walk over to engine eight, get in the middle, put my seatbelt on. I had to get the iPad out first because they need the iPad. But I'd get my, my iPad. I'd pull the iPad out for them, put my seatbelt on, sitting in the middle, throw my headphones on, and we'd go uh, on the call. So it's it, it, it's really a blessing to be able to see what they do and how they manage things and that. And when they get the call, they get just very rudimentary, very you know top-line information. And what they find when they arrive on scene, uh, they've got to really be at the top of their game to analyze, mm -hmm. uh, re react, respond, and start whatever 
that particular call requires. It's uh yeah, it's, it's no easy task. No, and you know, they're getting a little bit more information as they're on the way to the call. Um and so uh I mean, I went on a fire alarm call, I went on a couple some medical calls, I went on some police assist calls. Um and and I'll give one call. I'll just kind of give you one, a couple of the calls. I'll give a couple examples. So, uh, Battalion Chief uh, Aaron Pospisil and I were driving around. He's like, "Let's just go drive around and see what you know pops up." And so we're driving, and I said, "Now you know that like." And we both kind of said this: as soon as we get about three blocks from the station, something's going to happen, and one of those uh, units is going to get a call. Right? Well. Um, we left the station, which is at 18th and Q, and we were at 17, well, uh, Salt Valley Parkway and K Street there where right. uh, the old Purdue Global Hamilton College is. And there's a call that comes in, and it says the person's coding and not responding. And they called, I think, Engine 1 or whatever from the station we had just left. So uh, Chief does a U-turn and we take off and we go to the call. And and when we got there, first of all, the location wasn't where they said it was. It was close, but it was not right there at the location. And actually the, the patient um, was not, was, was awake and alert and walking around. It wasn't that they were non-responsive. So like they're going thinking, this is what we're going into, but this is really what had happened. And, and, and it, was, it, was, it was good to watch how they managed the call because the person was not very excited about talking to them. And eventually they were able to get the person the help that they needed and all that kind of thing. So, you know, you, you, this is what you hear. This is what you expect. Like, this is kind of, and I think I didn't ask them specifically, but as you're driving to the call, I think they're kind of processing, okay. This person is non-responsive, so we're going to be providing compressions. We're going to be doing this. You know, these are the kind of things that we're doing, right? I mean, you're kind of game prep, and, and they get there, and it's totally different. So you've really got to adapt and adjust. And so that was one of the calls that was. Well, what I've always thought was amazing to, to watch and listen to, and, of course, being in the newsroom, uh, we have a, a real-time scanner. We're able to, uh, mm-hmm. on, on when they're on their uh, normal channels, uh, to hear the variety of calls, but to hear how they react to different situations, calling in other units if mm-hmm. necessary. Uh, it's it's a wide, very wide uh, set of skill sets that are on those crews, able to do a lot of different things very quickly and very well. I mean, you take a look at uh, when we have a plethora of traffic accidents, especially injury accidents, uh, we've had, you know, you've got people trapped. Just uh, the last uh, 24 hours, uh, they've responded along with L- uh, LPD to a car into a, a pond. That's just, there's a lot of moving parts. There is. And, you know, they're really good about calling each other off. If someone gets on the scene and they're like, yeah, this isn't what it was you know, we got it or, you know, that kind of thing. Or, hey, this is different than we thought, you know, we need this, we need this, whatever. And so communication is such an important thing. And, um, 
One of the things, and I got to give a shout out because it was C Shift, and and these folks were awesome. So I'll make sure we get this shared so that the folks on C Shift can uh, hear that we gave them a shout out. But so, and the way it works with with LFR is they go through a twenty four on, twenty four off, twenty four on, twenty four off, and it's over. I think it's a fourteen fifteen day period, and then they're off for like seven days and then they come back and they go on well when c shift comes back it's always on a wednesday and on the wednesday when they come back down at least down at station one slash station eight they do training well on the wednesday that i was there they were so busy they weren't able to do training so they were they work 24 hours wednesday from 6 a.m wednesday to 6 a.m thursday they're off from 6 a.m thursday to 6 a.m friday and so Friday they were doing the training and they were doing uh, CPR training. I'll I'll kind of level it at that. But um, so they were working on the 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 mannequins, the mannequins, yes. And so they had me doing compressions. They were showing me how to do it, and they do two minutes of compressions, and then they clear and they have a defibrillator that they use and all that kind of stuff, and then they switch out and all this. And so and then they have. I don't know what I call it. I'm going to describe it in lay terms. But they have this board that they put under the patient, and they can hook it up. And the machine that connects to the board will actually do the compressions, which gives a more consistent per, per, – I mean, the depth and – I mean, it's all the same. It's right on – you know, there's a little – the machine that it's that the defibrillator's got and the machine they've got going, actually there's like a clicking. So you got to get in rhythm. Um, and I said – fellas i don't have any rhythm and they're like it's dancing and i'm like well i'm not that good a dancer either you know and we were laughing so i got to watch that training and it was like you know and 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 i think the perception would be when they're training it's like okay we're doing this we're doing this you know it's all calm and everything later that night i went on a call where the patient was not responsive period i mean they were not responsive And so I actually got to watch what I had seen one group practice because it wasn't, I wasn't on that. I went on that call with the battalion chief because he got dispatched, but it wasn't one or eight that was there. It was a different, a couple of different stations that were there. And I got to watch this happen in real time. And the calmness that they had when they practiced and the rhythm and the communication and all of that was no different when they were working on a patient, which tells me, think about that, because you're in a high-stress situation. You're trying to save a life, right? That's got to be naturally stressful. But, I mean, and I guess if you took their blood pressure or their adrenaline levels, you'd probably see it shift. But there was such a rhythm there it was unbelievable but to watch okay this is what we practiced in the afternoon and then i got to watch another group do the rest like it was just it was there you know two minutes they count down the 15 seconds hover they say hover when they back off and they deliver the the defibrillator boom back on it doom i mean it's everybody has a job and everybody does their job and we got back in the car and and uh, the battalion chief says, you just got to see a rare call because we did everything we could do with compressions, using the, the machine 
administering of medications, all of that. He's like, that's a very rare call that you got to see. So it was just awesome to see, you know, you see the training, but it's just as calm when they're doing it with a patient as during the training. So what I'm hearing you say is that they obviously have the knowledge, they have the training, and then when they're on scene, they have the discipline to execute it. Absolutely. I mean, it it was perfect. And so that was awesome to see. And then one of the other things when I do the, when I do the 12 hours with them, it's, and and they'll let you come for whatever time period you want. And I'm like, I'm doing 8am to 8pm. They're like, Oh, okay. But, um, at station one, and I don't know if this is all the stations, but at station one and now station eight, they do meals together. So somebody makes a meal. So one time I was there, they made chili. And I think that they thought that, uh, every football team in the big 10 was coming in cause they had so much chili, <laughs> but, um, you know, a couple of the, the, the firefighters made taco salads for lunch. And when we had taco salads for dinner too, but everybody kind of comes together. And the camaraderie in the, the, the mess hall, so to speak, but in the dining room is like just a, it, it's not about work. It's about other things. It's about kids and sports and this and that and, you know, hunting and fishing and all these other kind of things. And just getting to know them as people was really good. And, you know, the, the last thing was just to be able to have conversations with uh, the men and women of Sea Shift. There were some one-on-one conversations. There was a couple that we were just talking about. Man, why are you here? What are you doing? And and for me, it's to understand, just understand and observe and see what's going on. But um, the the folks, and again, I have an affinity for C-Shift because that's who I've hung out with every time I've done it. Um, but the folks on C-Shift and Station 1 and Station 8, um, I sent them a thank you card for having me. And I don't think a thank you card was enough because... It was just so awesome to spend the day with them. The other thing that I just want to remind everybody is that the types of calls that you were on that day are not, oh, I mean, they may even be the majority of calls, but remember that these men and women, they face a lot of different types of calls. Uh, You know, we see on Pulse Point hazardous material uh, calls, uh, fire calls, medical calls, rescue calls, all kinds of different things. Fires. Yeah. <clears throat> Stru- yeah. Confirmed structure fire is one of the ones that pops up and, on Pulse Point. And, and rescue alarms. Yeah. Uh, that can be a variety of things. So they uh, they are uh, a true treasure, and uh, I think we probably got the cream of the crop right here in Lincoln. I, I tell you what, um, I in business I've always talked about do people own their job or do they rent it? And I compare it to home ownership versus renting. And if you rent a house... You probably treat it a little different than if you own it. And the men and women on C-Shift, I love you guys. You guys own your job. And you are dedicated uh, servants to our community. And we are darn lucky to have you as members of LFR. They did. They, they were awesome. And some of them I've seen before. They recognized me. But I went to multiple different stations. I interacted with multiple different uh, stations through different calls. And just phenomenal. I, I can't put it any more than that. And here's my only thing. Here's my here's my one takeaway that I'm going to ask everyone on here uh, to take with them. When you hear the light, when you hear the sirens and see the lights, get the hell out of the way. They are trying to save someone's life. And if you are 
if your family member is the one there on the way to see, you want every car to get the heck out of the way. For the most part, that happens. But there were times I was just like, oh, my God, just can I take that person's driver's license? <laughs> so um, that's that's my one pontification about this whole thing. But, um, you know, they're just they're amazing people. I appreciate what they do for our community. And like you said, they're going on a ton of different calls. Ironically, it was the day after the big snowstorm, and we did not go on one single call for a traffic accident. I figured we'd be seeing some traffic accidents that day. So, um, But anyway, a great opportunity for me. I'm blessed and, and appreciative of uh, Nancy and Chief Engler for kind of pushing me to do it again, and I'm sure I'll do it again soon. Maybe next uh, ride-along will be with LPD or LSO, and you can uh, test out their tasers. <laughs> as long as I'm not the recipient no, or the or the subject of the video, you know, if you're going, you know, you got to get tased. Uh, so, but no, it's it's a blessing to be able to do that. And I think, from my perspective, why is it beneficial to Liba? It's beneficial to Liba because uh, we are able to. It, it it allows me to interact with them and have a good idea of what's going on, and it also creates relationships that if a business owner has a question, I can help connect them. All right. Other topics that uh, might be of interest to any of you listening now, we encourage you to let Bud know. It's bud at liba.org. If you want us to go a deep dive on something, we'll certainly take that into consideration. Liba.org, the brand new website. Uh, just had the Liba lunch. Do you have a March Liba lunch? Uh, we are yet? working on our Mark, March Liba lunch, which will be March 21st uh, at the Grand Manse, and we are going to invite city council candidates, uh, that are running in the, uh, upcoming election to come and talk about the issues and interact with how they want to help business owners if they're elected. And I think April, we're also working on a schedule for April. Working on April, which I think, uh, we're going to try to get the, uh, mayoral candidates that come through the primary to come and talk about their issues and business and how they're going to interact with the business community. And again, uh, welcome to new LIBA members that uh, we introduced at the LIBA luncheon, or I should say you did, uh, and we did a little earlier here, but let's uh, give them one more. Give another shout out here. Integrated Behavioral Health, Lincoln Demolition and Excavation, Rocket Car Wash, who's running that special I talked about earlier, Lund Company, JQ Solutions, Unlimited Sports Solutions, Nebraska Bank of Commerce, and we had another uh, member join from First National Bank. This has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. 
there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat. Weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vale. Thanks for joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. LIBA lunch this past week had a great presentation from LTU on Water 2.0. I learned a lot. I'll tell you what, um, <clears throat> and this is one of those topics we've talked about, uh, the Water 2.0, the importance of just understanding what's going on and how the process worked. And uh, we had Donna Garden from uh, Transportation Utilities uh, from down at the city came in and talked about, and she talked about, she gave a lot of his- history of, you know, it's been about 100 years since we've made this kind of an investment in our water source. And so I really appreciated her coming and taking questions and providing a lot of good information. I think a lot of people went, um, I, it almost felt like we should get college credit for going through that <laughs> lunch, but she did such a good and thorough job to understand where we're at, what it looks like and how it's going to work. Well, in the contingencies that you have to put into this type of thing, what happens like the big flood that we had that knocked out some of the pumping ca- capacity, but what happens when you have a severe drought and, and you have all these uh, anomalies from normal. And those were all things that the advisory committee, council, group, whatever you want to call them, they took that all into consideration during the six or so months that they met. Yeah, it was it was, uh, it was was nice to see they had different categories like, you know, reliability, things like, you know, access, how do we get there, you know, independence. I mean, if you tie in with another utility... You're kind of at the mercy of them, right? So they took a lot of those factors in and weighted those factors to kind of look at what the best option is. And one of the things that I think probably they could even get a little deeper in is to talk about uh, what what are the other opportunities? Because we're going to go, if we go straight to the Missouri and we drill this pipeline um, from the Missouri River, there might be some partnerships that we could develop with some rural communities, um, which maybe helps offset some of those. So it's it's a really great, uh, great program to see. We've encouraged people, I don't know, what, two or three hundred times on Lincoln Business Beat? Uh, maybe not that many. But. To get out there and see and, you know, be informed. And so um, they're going to do an open house on March 7th, which is my gosh, I can't believe it. It's about 10 days away or so. <laughs> We're getting close there. Um, from 5.30 to 7.30 down at Southwest uh, High School. So um, I, I think it'd be good for people to come and learn more. Um, there's good information on the city's website about this and the project and where they're at and some of the things that they've talked about. So this is it's going to be a topic you're going to hear a lot about, and it's going to have an impact because, again, it's $1.3 billion today, which you know is going to grow over time. So um, I think it's good for people to show up and, and learn more when they come to the 
open house at Southwest High School on March 7th. Well, and, and some of the other, and I, I don't want to take this too deep, but some of the other things that I hadn't even thought about, they look at the uh, the watersheds that feed the, the different areas that they were considering, uh, the reliability of those water sources. But then they also looked at the quality of the water. And, you know, depending on where you're getting you're sourcing it, you've got to process it, you've got to treat it differently. And so they went into it a lot deeper in, in all of those. I learned about nitrates in water. <laughs> and and being able to, uh, you know, make it uh, a safe safe product. And, and then, again, as you mentioned, the possibility, uh, let, let's just get to the possibility of connecting to the Metropolitan Utilities District in Omaha and just buying from them. Uh just another way of looking at it, we we would be buying the water from Omaha rather than supplying our own community and other communities from the natural source in a Missouri River located well field. So you become a buyer rather than a seller. Exactly. So, and if uh, there are small communities along the way, as you mentioned, even rural water districts that could be expanded, and of course, as uh, suburban uh, rural uh, growth, you know, maybe there's a Better marketplace there for you. And and the statistics that Donna shared with us, I didn't realize that we actually stored about three days' supply of water in Lincoln. So Yeah, it's, you know, but you think back to 2019, three days of water if we lose the well field. <laughs> yeah. Three days is three days, but once you get past three days, you're in trouble. So, you know, and it's the, the other thing, and it's a little, you know, it's getting into the sausage again like we like to do, but we're going to actually build the treatment facility right there on the Missouri River as we pull it out of the Missouri, which makes it easier to, for us to partner with the rural water districts. And it's going to be pushing the clean water all the way to Lincoln. So, you know, we can we can create some opportunity there. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. And, and that actually mirrors what the way it's happened now with the Platte River source because the treatment plant's in Ashland. Yeah, it's right there. The, the treatment plant's right there where the water's coming in. Yeah, right so. at the source. Interesting uh, story, uh, was released, I believe the Nebraska Examiner uh, actually yeah. published the story, but it's a um, report out of Omaha on the costs of new construction, primarily homes, and it is uh, a stark reality of what some regulations and things like that actually go into the cost of a home. Well, I read the article and I thought, boy, this sounds like somebody's been listening to Lincoln Business Beat doing a little research because we've talked about affordable housing and affordability of housing. And the and, and again, this is Omaha, but I think the, the thing that jumped out as I was reading this article, and I think I don't even think I finished reading the article when I sent it to you on a text <laughs> message, because it came out that uh, these researchers found that the regulatory costs in Omaha, account for 32.8% of the total construction cost. So essentially, one, almost exactly one-third of the cost of building a home is due to government regulation. Now, the other fascinating thing that I saw with Omaha is the national average is 21.5%. So Omaha is over 11% higher, about 50% higher than the national average. And I wonder what that would be in Lincoln. Because I have heard anecdotally developers in Lincoln talk about it's much, 
it the those regulations cost are a larger per, proportion of the house building process than Omaha. And so um, it's really a fascinating study. Um, it was uh, a group up in Omaha called Welcome Home. It was conducted by the University of Nebraska at Omaha. And they were talking about, you know, new single-family homes. And it just, you know, you think about 33%, a third, one-third of the cost of building a house. If you build a, well, I don't know if you can build a $300,000 house, but 100000 of that 300000 is regulatory because of regulatory matters. Let's talk in actual numbers coming from this study. A decade ago, a brand-new Omaha home, on average, sold in 2012, 260000 uh, last year, the average sale price uh, was about four hundred fifty-five thousand. In twenty twenty-one, about four hundred thousand. But in January this year, it's over half million. Yeah, it's it, it's escalating. I mean, obviously, with inflation, we've seen a lot of increase in supplies and costs and those kind of things. But you know, these government regulations are are a big piece of that too. And so, I mean, think about that. The average newly constructed home sold in Omaha in January which is last month, over a half a million dollars. That's double what it was in 2012. Yeah, it's doubled in 11 years. Yep. That's To me, that's insanity. Um, but, you know, we talk about affordable housing. Now, if you take a $500,000 home, um, I'm going to test your math a little bit. No, I won't. I'll just give you the answer. 32.8% uh, of that is about $167,000. Think of that, $167,000 of building that home is attributed to regulatory costs. I, I, I hope someone steps up and gets this uh, done in Lincoln because um, it, it would be interesting to see where Lincoln falls in that percentage of regulatory costs, especially with the new drainage uh, criteria where we have to build two feet above the floodplain instead of just one. So I... I think anecdotally, our hypo my hypothesis would be, I think it's going to be higher than that in Lincoln. Think about that. Well, this could very, uh, in real terms, it could actually nudge quite a few people, quite a few potential homeowners, out of the market. Simply not affordable. Well, and I think that's what you're going to see. I, I think as we get to that point, I mean, you say a half a million dollars is the average <laughs> new home price in Omaha. I mean, in Lincoln right now, they're talking about 450000 So we're not far behind. We're 10% behind Omaha, but $450,000, I mean, you got to think about that mortgage and with these interest rates right now, that's I, I, it just scares the heck out of me what's going to happen to the housing market. Well, it goes back to the discussion about affordable housing versus the affordability of housing. And when the, if you want to call it the great American dream where most people are in a single-family home, if possible, uh, whether they've, uh, you know, it's a new home or whether it's a previously constructed home, that as those prices go up, everything goes up with it. It's, it's a, a rising tide in, in this case. So it moves a lot of homes out of the affordability um, ra uh, ratio there. Well, let's talk about, I'll call them the X factors when we talk about home prices. So I don't, I don't believe this factored in utility costs, uh, property taxes. You know, so now not only <laughs> a 
are we are we looking at you know that home being that high of a average price? But now we're talking about the X factors, and as we look at that, you know, you look at you look at around a three hundred three hundred fifty thousand dollar house right now, and you're looking you're staring down the the staring down a, a monthly payment of twenty five hundred to three thousand bucks a month. That's I mean. That's a pretty good chunk. So that's thirty six at three thousand bucks. That's thirty six thousand dollars a year. I'm not an actuary, but I can also tell you the higher price the home, the higher the price of insurance to yeah. cover it. So so it's that's another one. Of it's those all factors. of those X factors. So I, I you know can we get the government out of our way to get down at least to the national average, or maybe let's be below. I'm okay being below average in this case, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not very often you hear me say I'm okay with being below average. I like to be above average, but um, I, I I wouldn't mind if we were in Nebraska below average, specifically here in Lincoln. Yeah, regulatory costs. Uh, it, a study of Lincoln would be extremely interesting to see where we uh, where we stand or where we compare, and and not just necessarily compare it against Omaha, but then let's compare it against similar size Midwest cities. Yeah, that, absolutely. So. I mean, let's let's get below the national average. Liba lunch uh, this week. You introduced some new members to Liba, and we got some uh, a nice little uh, group here. We had quite a, a list um, that we we introduced this week. We had integrated behavioral health, uh, Lincoln demolition and excavation, uh, Lund Company, JQ Solutions, Unlimited Sports Solutions, Nebraska Bank of Commerce, and uh, First National Bank had an, an additional member join. And then also uh, Rocket Car Wash opened a new location down at Williamsburg. And uh, they have this new tunnel feature where they do an interior cleaning of your car. And they're running a really smoking hot deal for LEBA members right now. So um, you'll want to check that out. But And I'll just give a testimonial because I am a customer of that Rocket Car Wash. And, and they do a great job on that interior cleaning. And there's nothing like going in and sitting down and having a a glass of water or a cup of coffee while they clean the inside of your car. And I'm not going to lie, I do it about three times a month because <laughs> it keeps my car clean inside and out. So wow. um, we appreciate, but we appreciate them giving that deal to members. And then also um, I want to give a shout out while we're talking about uh, members, often member deals is uh, Nebraska Knockerball, which is a fairly new business here in the community, uh, does some fun things where you can get inside the knocker balls and kind of, run up against each other. They've got foos, human foosball, all kinds of things. They're running a deal for LIBA members too. So uh, we appreciate them supporting fellow LIBA members and offering discounts. So check those out um, and you know reach out to them and let them know that you're a LIBA member and you want to check out the LIBA deals. And if you're not a LIBA member, check out liba.org. That's liba.org. Uh, you too can become a member if you're not already. On our brand newly launched website, we're yes. still we're still working through some kinks, but uh, we've got our new website up and running, and I think it's a little uh, more informative and user friendly. You need help finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery, trucks, or other equipment for your business. Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, and other big ticket items. And whether you're replacing old machines or expanding your fleet. Currency makes it easy to get financing. It's secure, free to use, gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Just visit GoCurrency.com, fill out the application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing 
made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC, doing business as currency. Pursuant to CFL License 60DVO-54873.